appreciate you, Naeem, for uh, being on another episode of Urban Legends. Uh, I created this platform. First of all, if y'all don't know, um, uh, Naeem, very talented uh, comedian, one of the funniest comedians out there. Uh, tours with Kevin Hart, uh, part of the Plastic Cup Boys. Uh, you may have seen him on Survivor's Remorse. He got a new show that's out right. Hey, look at him looking. Okay, that's what I'm saying. That's what we're doing out here. You see what we're doing around here. Okay. <laughs> uh, he got a new show called Assisted Living um, with Tyler Perry. That's out. It's already airing now, right? On TBS? Nah, September 2nd on okay. BET. Oh, BET, my bad. I see you your research. My bad. <laughs> I'm a bitch, nigga. No. <laughs> My bad. Um, but yeah, man, it's coming on BET. That's right. Tyler Perry Ben stopped messing with TBS. I don't even know why I even said that. Um, but yeah, man, so now, so now, um, so he, he's definitely making moves out here. And I want you to know, Naeem, the reason I created this platform, Urban Legends, because I wanted to create a platform for people that I felt like were living legends out here, for people that I feel like are making legendary moves out in these streets. Uh, and so I wanted to provide a platform uh, for people because everybody can't get on Ellen. Everybody can't get on these late night talk shows um, at right now. You see what I'm right. saying? Um, and so for all the talented people who may not, because I know how it is, you know what I'm saying? Who, who may not be able to get on those platforms consistently right now to, to build up a platform like this. So you're always welcome and have a place to promote your stuff. Um, get anything off your chest and, uh, and you know, just chop it up. Yeah, I know you've been doing your thing for a long time. Have you ever been able to do um, any talk shows? Bro, I've never done a late night talk show. Mm -hmm. like, like even when I was doing um, Rush Hour, when I was the star of Rush Hour, I, they, they didn't give me any late night gigs. I did, I did the talk, which was a CBS show. And that's I good. Did, that's dope though. That's, that's good. Yeah, the talk. Oh, daytime TV. Daytime yeah. TV is, is better than late night TV. Hey, it was can it was, be, can be absolutely. So that was a good look, and I did. Uh, I did Big Boy in the neighborhood mm -hmm. um, radio show, and I did a few other talk shows. I'm sure it's a bunch of people watching right now. Like, fuck you, man. You did our <laughs> show too, man. <laughs> you forgot about us, man. Fuck you. But but yeah. for any of those places, I apologize. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> I'm only thinking about the network, the shit that matters. You ever did brother. Breakfast Club? I haven't done the Breakfast Club yet. And funny story, when we was doing, let me, <laughs> when I was doing Rush Hour, they was mm -hmm. gonna have us. Um, my home, Paige Kennedy played my cousin on Rush Hour. Mm -hmm. He's cool with Angela Yee, and Angela Yee agreed, like, yeah, we'll have both of y'all on. For whatever reason, the network didn't have us go to New York for press for mm -hmm. Rush Hour. And so since we never went to New York to do press for Rush Hour, that's why we never did Breakfast Club. Um, so I've personally never done Breakfast Club. I know you've done it, though, right? A few times, right? Four times. Four times. And I'm about to do it again for uh, via Zoom, I guess, for my show. Now, I, you know, I, I know all of them. So, you know, they, they fuck with me. And the interviews are always fun. Uh, but, yeah, I've done it. I've done it one time by myself and then the other three times. Uh, twice was with Spank, one time was with Joey. So this will be the first time I've done it by myself in a while. That's dope. Were you intimidated to have Charlemagne interview you? Nah, cause Charlemagne cool. He a fan, you know. He he ain't never really took no shots at me. Angela Yee take a shot at me every chance she get. Oh, I've known, she? <laughs> yeah, I've known Yee long uh, before she was doing Breakfast Club when she was doing um, 
the show with Cypher Sounds on Sirius. So we've been friends for a long ass time. But nah, I mean, yeah, Charlemagne, I, I wouldn't even care. It's you know, it's hard, it's hard to get me, like to get me. Cause I, I just I don't care. You know, anything that you're gonna say that could be embarrassing, whatever, I'll I can laugh at myself. You know, that's the key. That's the key to uh achieving fame to to not be embarrassed and not take things so personally. Uh with my new show coming out, it's gonna be it's gonna be different, you know, receiving feedback because with stand-up, I don't I don't care. You know, the the feedback is 90% good. The people that don't like me, they just, you know, I'm just not their flavor. And I've been doing it so long and I've been on social media long enough to just accept that. But I'm a professional. I'm I'm good at my craft. I've been doing it 22 years. Acting is um, you know, even though I've been I've been on the show, my first acting gig I booked was in 2014. And you know, I've done a couple of things, but they were always small parts. So now to be a lead on the show. Okay, and, okay, we see you out here. We see yeah, you. Yeah, to be a lead on the show and now have to take that criticism, you know, and, and I I believe that it'll, it'll be mostly positive, but, you know, to hear the bad stuff that comes just from haters, even people, even people, even if you do a good job, people still gonna have something negative to say. So to uh, open myself up for that is gonna be a new experience. And like I said, if it's, hopefully it's mostly positive and, if it's mostly positive, then I'll be able to ignore the negative shit. Dope. Yeah, you always gonna get negative. I, the, the best, one of the best pieces of advice I actually got came from Brandon T. Jackson one time. It was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I have, I was having a mediocre, I don't know, something happened. And he said, hey man, there's some people that don't think Chris Rock is funny. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he's, he's right. I think Chris Rock is a genius. But right. I do know people that's like, oh, he just yells. And it's like, are you hearing to what the hell he's saying, though? Mm-hmm. Um, so I said all that to say that, yeah, man, no, no matter how great you are, there's always going to be people that still go find something negative to say. But, you know, right. them, them people don't even matter, though. Right. And, I, and then, you know, I'm a fan of TV, too. I've talked shit about people. I've talked <laughs> shit about the whole whole cast of power. They They were awful. <laughs> <laughs> so you know wait a minute you mean as actors yeah 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 so no i mean they weren't they weren't all awful but i'm about was, to say amari amari can act no 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 i like amari i like i like some of the cast it's just uh some of the cast i felt like they didn't play their characters well right and uh you know when you talk shit you're gonna get it back you gonna come, i'm gonna say back. though you actually a very funny actor though because i you play do, a straight role on this you, that's the thing well, let me tell you when I knew you could you you were funny in an acting role though. It was one of Kevin Hart's stand up uh, specials. Laugh my pain. Laugh, yeah. And mm. to me, you was the funniest person in that whole scene or sketch. Yeah, no, that's a fact. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tell the truth, why don't you? Hey man, hey, that's what I'm here to do. You know what I'm nah. saying? I just speak truth. Um, mm. I just say what the people thinking. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so when I saw that, I said, "Oh, now nah, you ain't killing." And you was yeah. like, you was like sniping with the comedy, like the jokes in that scene. And I was like, "Oh, he killing." I said, "Oh, now nah, you ain't got it." That's when I knew you could act. Right. Well, for me, it's always the reason why I haven't done more acting work is because I'm not a great auditioner. Mm. I've gotten better over years, but the um the anxiety, the anxiety that I had going into the rooms, man, the fear of, of bombing and just no confidence and 
the one once I finally booked a role, it was another. I just walked in there, I just did it, and just left. Like that's another one that I ain't gonna get. I ain't want anything nothing about it. That's when you book them, right? And that's when I end up getting it. And then the the confidence that was instilled on me, instilled in me by the producers and the other actors when I did that show, is what made me realize like y'all can do this shit. You know, they made up. me. It was surprised. It was my first time working. And uh, Michael Malley, who I always uh, shout out, he was just like, yo, you should be on TV every day. He's saying a bunch of shit. That, and I know, I understand Hollywood talk, but the, usually Hollywood talk is uh, when you ask for feedback and then they, they, they give you the bullshit. But he was actually con contacting me, just sending me random messages, telling me that, yo, I'm, I'm killing it. And, you know, wh whether he meant it or not, it, it worked. It, it definitely put some confidence in me. Well, you know what? That's half the battle is the confidence. Uh, and mm -hmm. it, that's the same thing when it comes to stand-up comedy, as you already know. Like, the confidence is, is what help you deliver that, that, that performance. And I realized that when it came to me personally, when I started saying I don't care mm -hmm. before I walked into them auditions, when I started saying, man, fuck this audition, that's when I started booking stuff. Here's the thing, though. Excuse me. <laughs> now you're like, yeah, fuck this interview. No, 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 no. I just finished doing radio, so I'm, uh, I've been up early. But here's the thing about saying I don't care. You can't, can, you can't pretend that you don't. You can say I don't, knowing that you really still do. It's right. like you know when you, a girl hurts you, oh, fuck that bitch, you know. But you, <laughs> I don't care. But you really do care. So it's not just saying I don't care. You have to actually get to a point to where you really don't care. You know what I mean? And that and that can be hard. Uh, some people just got it. There's people that are great auditioners that can't act, and there's people that can't audition that are great actors. And, you know, then you got people that can do both. And those are the people that are killing right now. Yeah, that's but, why I'm on TV. Um, because yeah, no, no, you've been doing your thing, bro. You've been doing your you've been doing your thing for a long time. You've been consistently working as an actor. And um, there's not a lot of not a lot of people that can say that. A lot of not a lot of comedians, especially, you know. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, people don't realize, like, I went to performing arts high school. You there know what you I'm saying? There you it is right there. Yeah, you see? And so I remember I heard a comedian one time say he had been, he had been in L.A. longer than me. Mm -hmm. And he was like, Justin, you, you leapfrogged a lot of other comedians. Like, a lot of comedians probably salty with you because you leapfrogged them. Mm -hmm. And I said, and I'm thinking, well, they didn't see the work that I put in prior to moving to L.A., Right. So outside looking in, it's like, damn, he ain't been out here this long and he already on TV. And it's like, well, I've been acting since I was 13. Right. I did you got the, the training. Age. You got the, the training. training. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So that, and you know, I probably worked harder than some of them too. You know, when it just come to YouTube videos, you know, I used to do YouTube and all yeah, that yeah, shit. Yeah. Yep. You put you the know. work in. Some of, these, the some of these niggas can't even read, man. <laughs> <laughs> can't go into an audition and your ass can't read. Yeah. You know cool. what? But you, you know what? One of the biggest things for me was uh, I wasn't off book. I wasn't prepared. Right. You know, and and some people can go in with the script and just kind of freak it or whatever. For me, I realized that I really need to be off book for me to get into character. Because if I'm reading, you can't you can't I can't express the feeling that I want to feel. I uh, want them to understand the energy I want to come across if I'm reading, you know. Straight so I, I realized that I need to be prepared. And once I start preparing, actually preparing, then it got a little bit better. And it's so crazy how I memorize because 
like for instance, with, with my show, we were doing three episodes a day, but we we're only filming like twice a week. So um Yeah, yeah, I heard Tyler Perry, he'll shoot a whole movie on a on a weekend. No, no, no. He he go in. He <laughs> goes in. Uh but uh it was hard to memorize everything. Uh if you're trying to memorize three episodes at one time. But when we when we would go over the scene, like rehearse the scene right before we shoot it, I would I would get it. Hmm. I would get it. It was crazy how I was able to um, retain that that information like that, but I guess it's because I was just you know focusing on one thing at a time. How many episodes of that show, the uh, season, did you all do? We did twenty five episodes. Woo, beast! We filmed in a month and a half. Um, the first half of the season, Tyler Perry directed, and we were doing three episodes a day. And then uh, Mark Swinton took over, and then the pace slowed down a lot. We were shooting, like, either one a day or one and a half in a day. How so, was it like working with Tyler? Man, it was fun. It was fun because he would come in a lot. Even, I think, he, either the first episode or the second episode, he's like, all right, yeah, this one ain't done yet. So I'm just going to give y'all lines <laughs> while y'all shooting. And then we were like, minute, all right. You mean the script wasn't done? The script, yeah. He's like, I'm going to give y'all lines while we shooting. That's that's because he don't have no writer's room. He writing all them half scripts by himself. <laughs> yeah, but he he knows what he's doing. And the lines he was giving us was funny as hell. So it was like, I, I really enjoyed shooting him. Shooting with Mark Swinton was cool, too. It was just a little bit more. His, his shooting style was more to what I'm used to. Tyler Perry has his own thing. You know, he's like, all right, stop right there. Move the cameras, this, that. And, and, and it was done. Like, for people that don't know, when you do a sitcom, usually you rehearse all week and then you shoot, you know, in front of a live audience or, or without an audience in one day. And uh, we weren't doing that. We were just doing three episodes in one day and it's probably going to come off just as good. And it was funny. It was funny as hell. Oh, I'm sure, bro. Yeah, that's what I was telling somebody. I was like, he doesn't have a writer's room, but obviously he's doing something right. You know, this man is is a is a workaholic. He's a machine. He's he's brilliant at what he does. I remember people used to talk mess about him this early off in his career when he first was talking mess. And I'm like, whether even or not you like his content, you have to respect his business. Mm -hmm. You see, I've always been a fan of his business first because I'm like, this dude has ownership over all of this stuff. You know, he writing, directing, producing, editing all of this stuff. Now look at him. You know, right. now now people, Hollywood got to come to him and film their movies at his studio. Yo, he's a he's an innovator, man. This thing that he's doing, like you said, he shoot a movie in the weekend. Like that's... <laughs> he do, though. People look at that and look like, yo, that's crazy. How? But he's setting some... He's setting a tone that other people are going to start doing because he's mastered the... He's mastered the art of spending a little bit of money, making a whole bunch of money. Straight you up. Know? If I shoot this shit in a week, I'm still gonna get paid the same amount that they would have. <laughs> they would have. I would have got it if I shot this shit in a month and a half. But I'm saving all of that money, and it's coming out just good. And you know, continuity. That's really not his <laughs> fault. <laughs> Sometimes they, people make jokes about the continuity. You know, one scene, lady, her hair like this. The next scene is laying down and yeah, shit. I saw that on that movie, that Netflix right, right. movie. And, and he was, because when we started uh, filming, it was right around the time that the movie came out. So, you know, he made some comments about it, and we laughed about it on set. But um, he was like, yo, that's y'all fault. 
with the hair right. shit. You know what I mean? That's so, what I'm paying y'all to, for. For right, right. You know, uh, but I've seen movies. I've seen plenty of other movies that the continuity was off. That are that are cost millions of dollars to make. Uh, one of my favorite movies is Boomerang. There's uh so many different things, not a lot, but there's a couple different things where the kind. I'm about to say what in Boomerang because I, I watch Boomerang a lot. Which one? What scene? Um, you could just tell you know where his hair may be different. Oh, okay. Um, uh, this thing, this thing isn't continuity, but this is uh the second time he had sex with Robin Givens. You can see her panties. Oh, uh, he pulled. They pulled the covers up, and you can see the blue panties under the cover. And then he had to fuck you up. Remember the part? Remember the part with the toes? Yeah. So <clears throat> when he looked at Robin Gibbons' toes, she was laying on him like this on the side of him, but the but the feet were straight. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did notice that. <laughs> <laughs> she her whole body is turned sideways, and you look down, and the feet is like this. Right. Like, I, Shout that out to Robin Givens. That's a classic movie right there. People don't even know, bro. That's um, one of the best movies ever. It really is one of the best movies ever, for sure. Um, tell me about your early days doing stand-up. Because, you know, I remember when I first met, one of the times I first met, I don't know if I, when I first met you, but I just remember us doing, like, open mics at, like, Starbucks. You remember going to Derek Ellis' Starbucks open mic? You probably don't even remember that. You done did Mm-mm. so much stuff by now. I know. I, I get it. <laughs> you like, you done been all <laughs> over the world. Why would I remember being at a Starbucks doing an open mic? If it was out here, though, you know, I, I moved out here in 2008. Out here in yep. LA. And um, yep, that was around been, the time. I had already been doing stand-up for 10 years by then. Damn. So, yeah. Yeah, you was clearly funnier than me. I remember, <laughs> I remember <laughs> thinking, this guy is better than me. And I had been doing stand-up for a solid year at that point. Yeah. And I was like, I need to get my life together. So tell me, what made you start doing stand-up? Because you started in Philly, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so, so tell me about that. Like, when did you know you was funny? And, and what made you actually get up on stage? Well, um, I'm from New Jersey, but I, I started oh, doing stand-up right. in Philly. I was in college. Mm. And um, it, it was one of those things that I just had always been in the back of my mind because I... I I was introduced to comedy at such a young age. Um, So I just always enjoy to laugh. I enjoy making people laugh. And I was always a good writer. Uh, Like even, you know, just short story shit you do in school. You know, I I always had a a good mind for writing. And um, I didn't know how to go about it. I just popped up in my head one day, like, I want to try to do some stand up. It was a very random thought. And um, they had this show, this dude that was in my class, he did this show called Baptism by Fire, which is like spoken word and, and um, like backpack hip hop shit. Right. And- um, Bunch of Kanye wannabes and Lupe right. Fiasco's. Exactly, that type of vibe. And um, it was the only stage that I knew I probably could get on. And I asked the guy who put it together if I could do some stand up the next time he had a show. He was like, yeah. I said, let me know like a month before the show. And he he did. And then I prepared a routine. And I went on stage. And I wasn't really nervous about going on stage. The thing that I was most nervous about was memorizing my material. Mm, I had like a 20-minute set, which is unheard of for the first time on stage. You did a 20-minute set your first time? I did 20 minutes. 
Hell no. Nah. I would have got booed off uh, 30 seconds in, straight up. Man, I did 20 minutes, and, and it just worked out that way because I was at my at my school at like a talent show. Because mm-hmm. if it had been a comedy club, you know they'd give you three minutes the first time you're on stage. That's it. Which is really may not be enough time to know if you can do this shit or not. Everything just worked out right. And uh, had a great set. And then um, after that, it inspired the Sigmas to try to do just a straight comedy show with uh, students from, you know, the school. And so everybody had heard how good I did in the first one. So I'm like, all right. So I'm thinking I got to prepare a whole new routine. Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah. And I went and did that new routine and I took it to the face. <laughs> You're like, I hey, stu- everybody, I got some new shit. <laughs> yeah. I bombed so bad. Then that was it for me. I quit. I quit uh, until one of my friends convinced me to try again, which was probably like six, seven months later. Okay. And, and uh, that was okay. And then Michael Collier did a show at my school for homecoming. And I begged the... Um, Michael Collier, one of the legends out here. Yeah. The, the the lady that was the that ran student activities, I begged her to let me perform. And she was like, well, we got to see if it's okay with Michael. And when Mike got there, uh, he said, I can go up. Talent was hosting. They let me do three minutes, and I killed it. And then after that, I was like, I'm going to stick with this shit. Oh, uh, that's what's up, bro. How did you first meet Spank? At school. Spank, we went to Temple. Uh, me, Spank, and Wayne, who's part of the crew, we all went to Temple University in Philly. And... Um, that's how I met Spank, just at the student center. Just he still, yeah, Spank was always real friendly, real cool. You know, he he, he would start a conversation with you. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what the hell he doing. He, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he fumbled. This nigga was he was doing good and fumbled, just fumbled. <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, Spank was just always been super friendly, and you know, he would just he transferred from Lincoln. Oh, he got kicked out of Lincoln, and then he he started going to uh, Temple. And he just was making friends. And we just got cool. Then he started doing stand-up, and that's how we really got cool. Man, Spank a good dude, bro. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So you're doing the we, – we know you working with Kev and and all of that. I guess – well, I guess they'll go with the story then. How, how did you get hooked up with Kev? Because I, I saw an interview, and you said that you, you're actually the one that told Kev about Spank. Well, Kev knew Spank already from Philly, from the basketball scene in high school. And uh, Spank had a roommate that was real cool with Kev. So they just knew each other. But when I started working with Cedric the Entertainer, uh, which was my first year here in L.A., um, I couldn't do all the shows with Kev. So he needed an opener, and I suggested that he use Spank. Gotcha. And that's, how, that's how Spank got on the team. And what, what gave you the confidence to move from Philly to LA? Well, I did the uh, Standard for Diversity competition with NBC the year before and I won. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And that's how I got my representation. And then they started sending me out on auditions and everything. And I had, I was house sitting for Kev for two months when he was in um, Australia uh, shooting Fool's Gold. Mm, Okay. So after being here for two months, I was like, man, I want to move out here. And then for all of 2007, I was just lining my ducks up. I was just like, all right, I need to do this, uh, go to NACA, book a whole bunch of colleges. Um, I was in this other competition. If I win this and I have money for this, and I just lined everything up and I just kind of manifested it all. And I said, if all these things were out, one of the things was my cousin owned a house here 
and um, she had remodeled it. So it was like two units. And I was like, if she keeps it, then I'll rent one of the units from her and I'll stay there. I'll have some place to live. So I just lined my ducks up and everything worked out the way I, I manifested it to, to work out. And uh, I moved. Straight up. Dang, that's mm-hmm. what's up, bro. So you got the radio show. Y'all got the radio stro- uh, show uh, Straight From The Heart. That's the mm-hmm. name of it, right? Straight From The mm-hmm. Heart. Series XM 96. Hey, hey, turn up. Uh, This is what I was thinking when I was watching it. Uh, number one, I saw Dave Chappelle called in. Uh, talking oh, Kev, about Kev called him. Kev, Kev called him. Yeah. Dave called him back. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. Like, he didn't know. He didn't know he was calling into radio. <laughs> right. He was returning the call. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kevin sneak sneak attacked him. Right. Uh, have you been out there yet? Did y'all ever make that trip out to his uh, comedy boot camp yet? Nah, we ain't been yet. But I hope we go soon. I want to go do it. I need the stage time, man. I should. I, I only been on stage. One weekend this whole year? Yeah, me too. Two weekends. That's it. I had two weekends get canceled. Me too. I had my biggest payday that I was finna get to date in Las Vegas. Mm. And it got canceled because of COVID. That must have been early in the year because Vegas open. It was early in the year. And then they never rebooked me because they was like, why the fuck did we book this nigga in the first place? <laughs> 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 I'm sure was like, why the fuck do we got Justin Hines performing here? Why were we about to pay him this amount of money? I'm sure somebody in the top office <laughs> rethought that. They made the right they made, they made the right choice. <laughs> they get though, them clubs in Vegas got money. They got money. So don't you you got what you're supposed to get, bro. Hey, straight that. straight up now. Nah. Well, you you almost got what you was I almost got. <laughs> hey, so on that on that radio show, how like um strategic or careful you have to be with what you say? Like is there ever a fear that you might get canceled because y'all might say something that may go uh, across the line or y'all may step step on some toes with your, well, with your conversations? Well, the good thing is we pre-record. Oh, okay. Um, we, seldom, we seldomly go live. So if you pre-record, you just, we just say whatever the fuck we want and then we'll say in the middle of it, take that shit out. Okay. Edit, <laughs> edit that out. But it's it's really only Kev who has to be PC, but that creates a dynamic in our show that for the fans, the fans, the fans love shit that they hate. If that makes any sense. For instance, I, I can't stand Stephen A. Smith and I watch first take every goddamn morning. Uh, you know what I mean? Just, just so this thing get pissed. We, we love to get pissed off. Right. So when Kev says his PC shit, the people, they get mad and then we get to clean it up or we say some bullshit. He gets to clean it up. So it's just, a. Uh, it's a great dynamic. Um, but there hasn't been anything really. We haven't gotten in any, any trouble yet. And our show is really for that fan base, for that non-PC. We want that old original bullshit, that talk, that ignorant shit. We want that. That's what they listen to our show for. They want to hear that stuff. Yeah, man. Comedy is, man, the last frontier. You know, I feel like for freedom of speech, even though they still try to come after us, Man, look, it's not anymore. It's, it depends yeah. on who you have to answer to. With Kevin having a, a bunch of people under him, he has to watch what he says because he can't lose out on sponsors and lose his jobs. Dave Chappelle, who answers to nobody, can say whatever the fuck he wants. 
that's that's the goal I'm going for. I'm you know I think I want to if I really had to choose mm-hmm. which one to be, the Dave Chappelle route is what I feel ultimately what I would love more so because we all do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You just can't. I know, man. I don't know if we can't. I I think you know what I think it is. I think it's one, be great at your craft. That's number one. Um, mm-hmm. But two, being financially responsible to create a path where you're not dependent on certain people's checks. If mm-hmm. you got your own stuff going on, you see what I'm saying? That's providing your own income. I agree. Yeah. But, so you, you've you been on MacGyver for years, right? Mm-hmm. Joe's doing well, right? Yeah. Okay. So... <laughs> You don't want to, just because you, you may have some money saved up, you know, you don't want to lose, you don't want to lose that show. I'm sure you don't want to lose it. You know, right. oh, no, no. Hey, hey man, but God right. paid for this house. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and then also, also you could possibly lose your, your standup fan base as well. You know, it can all, it can all topple. Now, Dave Chappelle, he already created this huge fan base. Um, being politically incorrect with his show, but it, right, but but at they, a brilliant it, level, though, it was it was okay at that time, right? And now he's in the space where he he's so brilliant, he's so funny, and uh, people they know who they're coming to see. So you know, once MacGyver is over, and then if you get to Dave Chappelle's status, and knowing that you can say whatever you want, and you still gonna have people come out, then I say go for it, but. The thing really, it's not that you can't say what you want to say. It just has to be funny. It has to be funny straight up. So you, you can talk about uh, the, the, the LGBTQ. You can talk about uh, politics. You can talk about all of those things, but there's a fine line of it being funny versus offensive. So if you can get those people to laugh, then it's okay. But there's going to, you know, cancel culture is a bitch. Um, there's certain things I'm, I'm still immature in my mind at times. <laughs> there's certain things that are, that have been said about black people that is extremely offensive. But when I first read it, I laughed when, when, um, and I'm, I'm ashamed to say this, but I'm just dishonest. And I, I said it was fucked up, but when I first saw it, I laughed when the mayor from Virginia said, Joe Biden picked Aunt Jemima to be his running mate. I, the first thing, the immatureness in me. It's the comedian in us. I laughed. and But I'm, I, the main reason I laughed is because it's like, yo, these motherfuckers don't care. The audacity, the audacity of this motherfucker to say that is perplexing. <laughs> God, this nigga using big words. I'm laughing. I, I, when white people say, when Trump said the Kung Fu flu and all that shit, when white people say these things that they, you should not be saying in 2020, I laugh because I'm like, they really don't give a fuck. It's not even a mistake. They're saying this shit. The, one of the photographers said, he put up something that said, Joe and the hoe. I saw that. That's crazy. Reckless. Joe and the hoe. And I, I didn't laugh at that one. I was just because it's just so much that you'd be like, all right, come on, man. <laughs> now you crossed the line. You've offended. You've offended a lot of people at this point. Yeah, it's just it's perplexing, bro. But that's the world we live in. Hey, 
I had a, I, I was wondering, because I know y'all tour all over the world. Mm-hmm. Has there ever been a country or city that you were in that you're performing and you're like, I know they have no clue what the hell I'm saying right now. Like, why are nah. they even laughing? Nah, because everywhere we go, they speak English. It's not, uh, a lot of countries, it's not their first language or their native tongue, but they wouldn't be there if they didn't understand. Okay. It was, it was, it's been places that I've been that I was afraid that they wouldn't understand. One being France. We were uh, in Paris and, you know, a lot of countries, um, I would say probably, if I had to take a guess, I would say probably 70% of the countries in the world, when they learn a language in school, it's English. Oh, okay. Uh, a lot, or a lot of these countries, because the UK once colonized them, they already speak English. But uh, when we were in France, I didn't expect them. I was like, damn, they these motherfuckers know English like that? Uh, and... Clearly, not a lot of them do because we did a we performed at a smaller venue. It was oh, okay. Like a, it may have been a fifteen hundred seater, something like that. In France. Yeah. Oh, but, okay. But a lot of the places that we've done in Europe, we've done arenas, and yeah, they they understand. You know, so certain things you can't talk about. Uh, you can't. Yeah, like I had a joke about Chick Fil A. You can't. You can't do a joke about Chick Fil A out of the country. They don't right. know what the fuck that is. <laughs> right. <laughs> So you have to change some of your content, but they understand. Yeah, I got a joke about Piggly Wigglies. Uh, right. Kill over there. <laughs> uh, that's, so, hey, so I was watching the documentary, uh-huh. the, the Kevin Hart, you know, the docuseries that was Don't on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. When the fight happened between Kevin and Boss, did you at once think they about to make this plane go down? It was it was scary. I mean, I I didn't. I was kind of just like, what what could this movement on a plane do? You know, um, I I don't know. I I it was it was definitely scary. I wanted I wanted them to stop. It was like y'all motherfuckers are really fighting, and like thirty thousand feet in the air. Like y'all y'all are bugging. Like what if? Wanted to smash the emergency exit or some shit like that. You know, it was, it was a little scary. It was a little scary. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Cause that's what I was thinking when I'm watching the episode, I'm like, yo, I'm thinking like, what if it rocks too much? If they go to yeah. one side too quick, I don't know how big the plane is, but that's just with my natural inclination. I'm like, and I don't like flying anyways. Um, but I was just like, man, that, that would have been my thought. Like what the, what the hell, you know? So you think of like a scene from passenger 57 and some shit in the window get blown out in the motherfucker hanging out at the emergency exit like this. You kick him in the stomach and (laughs) he flies out and dies. It was, uh, yeah, them niggas was wilding, but they was drunk. Hey, so I see you got like a, a car collection going on. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you got some, you got some. I got four. I don't know if I'm calling it a collection. I got four. <laughs> you got more I than got, I got more cars than a nigga at my status should have. <laughs> well, that, that's so funny <laughs> you say that because I wasn't going to bring that up. <laughs> so, yeah. so. Yeah, that's one. That, that's a what, Aston Martin? Yeah, that's my, that's my most expensive one. Yeah. And then I just saw the, the picture you posted with the Mercedes. Yeah, that's number two. Uh, and do you still have the one that Kevin got you? 
Nah, I gave that back. <laughs> Why you gave it back? <laughs> Man, uh, those old school cars, they look nice, but the interior and I need to push star. I need, <laughs> I want comfort. I want comfort. Don't you got money? You could, can you got it upgraded to that? So it's funny you say that because John showed me some pictures last night. Uh, people are, are taking their old school cars and they're making them so modern. Like this one girl has a, a, a Chevelle with Cadillac interior. Wow. It looked like her, like her shit looked like an Escalade on the inside, but it's a Chevelle, which is, it doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Like why uh, a Chevelle is a, a Chevy. Why not get some Chevy, Chevy interior? interior. <laughs> She's like, nah, fuck all that. Yeah. But uh, you can do that. It just costs a lot of money. And I'm like, I could just buy, fucking just the buy a new car. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. What what did Kevin say when you gave the car back? How did you even say that? Like, you know what, brother? It was just, second thought. It was just annoying to me. The the car was just having an old car just requires a lot of attention, man. And I know my trying to have a car in the shop every fucking month. And I said something about it, and I wouldn't sell it because I I didn't want to disrespect the gift. And he said he would buy it back for me. I was like, all right, if you want to take it back, then yeah, you can have it. Oh, and so he, he has it now. Yeah, he has it. He ain't gave me no money for that shit yet, but uh, <laughs> he got it. Hey, so have you ever had a, uh, during the stand-up days, I mean, well, I mean, you know, because stand-up days seems prehistoric now. Right. Um, coming up in the game, did you ever have, like, a comedian take your joke? Uh, and if they did, how did you handle that? Um, yes, I've had, I've had plenty of comedians remix my shit. Um, there's been a time where, uh, a comedian kind of stole maybe or remixed uh, a banter or a little word or something. And then I, I just went on, I was on the same show and I went and just did the shit just to remind this motherfucker, like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes people can think that they thought of something, but you actually heard it before. Right. You know, subconsciously, you heard it and you thought that you came up with the shit. Um, the, the worst thing that I've seen, and this shit was just a, a total rip. There's a couple people that did a total, one was a girl, one was a guy. They just totally ripped my shit. Um, I did a show with this dude in Seattle at Nate Jackson's room and, um, Shout out to Nate Jackson. Yeah. And, and I went on after him. So I know, I know he heard me tell a joke and I watched his set and he had nothing about this shit in his set. Um, this is the joke I used to have about, uh, uh, the 90 day rule and the, the, the Steve Harvey shit. Oh the, yeah. Um, think like a man or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I happened, I was in Jersey. Uh, maybe a few months later, and I happened to just pop in this room where they was doing stand-up, and he was on stage just just totally just hacking my shit. And I was just like, wow. And I, I thought about yelling something. He didn't know I was in there. thought about yelling something about, like, oh, you're stealing or whatever, but I just ended up just leaving. And then uh, this, I still had this joke, and a lot of people have remixed this joke now. Um, but I was the first comedian that was talking about the 40 is the new 30 and 30 is new 20 and all that shit. And 
I said, I seen my my nephew the other day. I said, you're getting old, man. He said, eight is the new five. <laughs> and uh, But I was the first person talking about that, that 40 is the new 30 shit on stage anyway. And this female comedian, she just, she saw me do it. And you know when a motherfucker blatantly steal your shit because they, they be like, oh, that shit, was fun. that shit was funny as hell. Then you see him again and they, and they, they jacking your shit. But I've never really gotten into an argument, but I've told things like, yo, you know, I got a joke like that, or I used to do a joke like that. Um, the problem is comedians, they'll still do the joke though, even after you tell them nowadays. Well, um, one of the guys that works with us, um, I, ain't gonna, I ain't gonna put him out there, but he, he started doing this joke on tour with us last year. And um, I was like, yeah, you know, I had a joke like that. You're like, nah, I never heard you do it. And I, I know that he's heard me do it because when he, around the time he started doing stand-up, that was one of my bits. Mm-hmm. And it was one of my bigger bits too. Um, but this is years ago. And I was just like, yeah. And then I showed him, I actually had the footage and I showed him. He's like, okay. I was like, but I don't give a fuck if you do it. I don't do that joke no more. Just let you know right. I should do that shit. So, you know, a lot of us, we get into it. Uh, Ron G and Lav Love had a <laughs> a little argument on social media earlier this year about a joke that Lav said Ron stole. You remember that? Did you see that? I guess. The, the R&B shit, whatever. And the jokes were not really the same. It was just maybe a, a similar part. And I told both of them, like, yo, is it live? Ron G has, has a reputation. I'm going to keep it hundred. A lot of comedians will say that he steals shit. But I've been like, I've told them all, Ron G has so much material. Mm-hmm. He has so much material. So he really don't, he don't have to steal. Right. You know what I mean? But a you know, it, time- go, it goes to the um the subconscious thing too. Cause right. I actually talked to Ron. Uh, I, 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 I do think the only problem with hosting all the time is that you hear so much material. Right. Even if you're not purposely stealing. That's my thing. He's not doing it on purpose. Right. Yeah, absolutely not. He's yeah. not doing it. There, there may be something, especially when you get into freestyling. If you up there just talking, then it's it's real easy for you to say something that somebody else may have said. But Absolutely. he's not he's not blatantly taking anybody's shit. He 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 probably he he definitely has he definitely has said some stuff that was similar to other people's shit. But he's not blatantly taking it. No, nah, yeah, Ryan Ryan G a good dude, very talented comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, that, that that just comes with hosting. If you if you see a bunch of comedians, you know, and you trying to keep the show going, and you mm-hmm. trying to riff and stuff like that, and you just sometimes you grabbing, you know what I'm saying? Just like what what can I say to say something funny? Right. Um, you know, and it, it may it may come across as similar sometimes. Um, on tour, has there ever been a time where you personally thought? This dude, Kevin, about to kick me off tour. <laughs> like, has there ever been a time that, you know, because I'm going to be honest, outside looking in, there's been times where it's like, I don't know if y'all joking or y'all serious. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, do they got beef or this is just part of they, they playful banter? Uh-huh. And so I was like, do he ever feel like his job is at state, <laughs> you know, with some of the stuff he be saying or, or, or what? Nah, people... Look, we were somewhere. Uh, I think they were shooting Ride Along, and you know, 
we all talk to each other very recklessly. We've established, we've established what our relationship is. We know what we can and cannot say to each other. And it really ain't nothing that we can't say to each other. Ice Cube said straight up, if anybody worked for me, talk like that, they talk to me like that, they fired. <laughs> he said that, huh? He said, them motherfuckers is getting fired. I've never, my job has never been in, uh, in jeopardy. Uh, Kevin is extremely loyal. Here's the thing. I've had arguments with him and I've said some shit to him, but uh, it's usually uh, in response to something that he said to me. And one thing that I've never done, I've never done anything, never done wrong to him. I'm the, the godfather of his daughter because he knows what type of person I am. I've never stolen from him. Um, you know, I, I've never thrown him under the bus. I've never done anything wrong to him. So I'm not worried about that. There's people that, that have, that work under him that have done some bullshit that if they worked for me, I would have fired the motherfucker. So nah, we've gotten to, we, we like brothers, man. Y'all like we brothers. Are, yeah. That's how we it is. Are, me and my homeboys, mm. like we all working together. You know what I'm saying? Even my assistant, I mean, that's, that's been one of my best friends I, since he was in eighth grade and I was in right. ninth grade. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, and of course we done all fought and wrestled and cussed each other out, but it's like, that's my brother at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, so I could, I could, could completely get that. We in a, we are, we are probably in the best right now. We're probably in the best space that we've been in. Uh, maybe ever. Right. Why, maybe why ever. do you think that is? Well, there was some built up shit that, um, we, that I had never expressed because when you try to talk to him, he not he's never really trying to receive the information he wants to debate with you and argue and say what well, is or that he always got it uh, he always want to spend something and then he get mad if you don't talk to him like nigga this is why i don't want i don't want to talk to you about things because you can't never just say i was wrong or understand where somebody is coming from um he was like he felt the type of way that i didn't tell him about my show assistant living yeah so, and I, and I was just like, I didn't tell you because when I told you about the other shit that I'd done, you seemed to not care. You didn't watch it. You didn't support it. And so I didn't want to ruin my excitement or my moment by telling you something and you hit me with some generic, oh, that's good shit, you know? So I just was like, you know, I just didn't say nothing. I was like, I know you was going to find out eventually because I, I was going, when I was fil going filming, I wasn't doing radio. So, oh, that's why you wasn't on the show during that right time period. Okay. So, um, you know, then we we went out to dinner. And we just cleared cleared the air. You know, got everything out of there. Uh, also, booking this show was extremely important for me and my career because I did it without him. I mean, all the acting work that I've got had nothing to do with him. Not that, Wait, that is a that is a a question that I I had, which was, you know, do you and Spank ever feel some type of way that he don't put y'all in his movies like that because i'm be honest even this is just me i'm talking about me now mm -hmm. for me i had rush hour right my homeboy um he'd never been on network tv and i was still able to get him on the show because right, right. i was i'm number one on the call sheet mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so i was able to be like yo can we get my homeboy it was like one line or something 
I don't know if it had a line, but it was a it was a super small part, but still being number one on the call sheet, I was able to be like, yo, this my homeboy, can he do this part? It was like, oh sure, Justin. So I guess sometimes I, when I do see his films, I kind of wonder, you know, if y'all feel any type of way because I think people do want to see y'all mm-hmm. um, in those films. That's a question that's frequently asked. Um, you got to be careful with that. So you have the outsiders, the people that know us on the outside looking in and, and they get in your ear and they put that battery in your back. Oh, that's fucked up. He ain't doing this, doing that. You can't listen to that. So... The only problem that I had with that was at one point he told us that we would be like Adam Sandler and his crew. And when I start getting these things and doing this, that, and the other, I'm going to put y'all in it. And we never asked for that. It's just something that he said was going to happen. So you naturally have these expectations. Right. Um, But after I got over that, got out of my feelings and stopped feeling entitled, then I no longer cared, you know, like, let that man shine. I want to get things on my own. And then when you do get things on your own, then you can appreciate it that much more because the people out there will make you feel fucked up. You got certain people that'll say, damn, that's fucked up. He don't put y'all in shit. And then as soon as he put us in something, then it's going to be people saying, damn, you wouldn't be shit without this nigga. This nigga do everything for you. He take you on tour, he ain't put you in a movie. Y'all niggas is trash. If it weren't for him, this, that, and other. So you, you can't up, win. That it? You can't win straight up. You that's- can't win. So that's why, like I said, it, it it's, uh, this was one of the high, this is definitely top five highlight of my career to have this show and to book it on, on my own. Hey man, that, that's, that's great to hear. And I'm glad you said that. Cause I mean, that's just a, a internal thought and I'm, you know, conversations that comedians have, of course, you know, mm-hmm. so, I mean, I, I'm glad, I'm glad you just. People got to stop feeling entitled, bro. Nobody got to do shit for you. He already, we all got homes, nice cars and everything just from being on tour with him. And somebody could easily say, he could easily say, yo, I did. And we doing radio now. And our show is growing. (laughs) We're making money off radio. We're going to be able to, we're going to be able to live off of radio alone soon. Wow. So, you know, you can look at that and be like, yo, this nigga done done everything. He's changed our lives. He don't got to put us in no fucking movie if he don't want to. Straight up. You know, oh shit. Do you ever um bring cause I know you said you write. Do you ever write scripts to, to try to get them made under his production company, like Heartbeats? Do you ever write any like, like scripts or TV show ideas, anything like that? I, I sold a show to HBO that I was supposed to star in uh through him. He set the meetings and I went in, I pitched and I sold the show and um it did not get picked up for pilot. And that was the only thing. That's the only thing that I've written and uh only thing that was was under him got you so uh that's on that still i mean that was still an accomplishment though no it was dope it was it was dope it just didn't work out the way i wanted but then i ended up getting this tyler perry show it's it's all about perspective and how you you look at things so if i had done my show on on hbo um i believe it could have been a great show but you're looking at 10 episodes um Versus 25, 25 episodes. Ching, right. <laughs> ching. That's more money. Right. Well, make more money on, on a BET. And also, I'm already, I'm working with somebody who's established and all his, all of his projects do well. So. That's a built-in fan base, ready to go. Exactly. So now I can take, I can take the, um, 
popularity and the fans that I bring from this show and then possibly set myself up to do something else without him or even have him be uh, executive producer. Yeah, because so, think about that. Now you have two heavyweights in your corner. Exactly. So, you know, um, everything works out the way it does for a reason. So you got to just look at it as a... I, I mean, I was disappointed because... I wrote that whole thing and I just felt like it would, it would have been a good look, but I can revisit that another time. Absolutely. You still own it. That's what's most mm -hmm. important. Oh, this is the last question. Um, two questions. Who are, who are some of the um, up and coming comedians that you find funny and what comedian did you see that was like, Hey, I got to step my game up besides someone like Kevin. Um, up and coming. Uh, Ryan Davis is uh is is getting strong. You know he has a great following, great perspective. Um, Shout out to Ryan. I'm gonna get him on here. Yeah. I'm trying to think who else is new. You probably would have to throw some names at me, and then well, then don't do that because then I yeah. You were like yeah. Nah, I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> And then, what, uh, and then what, what comedian, you know, have you seen that you was like, man, I got to I got to step my pen game up because they, they come in with some heat. One thousand percent. Kenny Johnson, who no longer does stand up. Oh, yeah, man. Kenny was a beast. Kenny Johnson. When I see him and, you know, it's not it's not easy to make me laugh. The first time I seen this dude. I was crying. I was crying, man. For those y'all that are watching this, look up Kenny Johnson comedy on YouTube, and you might be able to see some of his old stuff. He got an old sketch with uh, Tiffany Haddish when the Chris Brown Rihanna situation right. happened. They did a, a parody about that. Right. Yeah. The domestic violence is never funny. Anybody no, 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 just no, saying no. they you did it was a different shit. time. Yeah. But Kenny, um, Kenny, he really he quit at the wrong time because. He was doing sketches before anybody, really. You know, it was him, Afion. Kenny would have been killing. He would have a million followers easily on, on Instagram right now. Absolutely. But he just he just got out. He got out. Uh, but he, he was a brilliant, brilliant comedian. And when I seen it, it, it wasn't even that I was like, y'all got to step my pen game up because we're so different. It was just when I, I was like, yo, this dude is incredible. He's incredible. But when we still talk from time to time, I always invite him out to my birthdays and shit like that. He's doing well. He just, he, <coughs> he's like Daryl Heath. Like people always talk about how funny Daryl Heath was, but he just, just quit. Yeah. I never, see, I never got to see Daryl Heath in uh They in said person. he was so funny off, off stage. Like he was just funny as hell to be around. Damn. But yeah, man. Hey man, brother, Naeem, brother. I appreciate you coming on Urban Legends, man. Is that let people know how they can contact you? Let them know about assisted living and where they can find that at. Uh you can uh catch me on social media. Everything is Naeem the Star, N-A-I-M-T-H-E-S-T-A-R. Go on the tat. You got it, you got a tat, don't you? I gotta say born a star. Oh, born a star, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh assisted living premieres September 2nd on BET at 10 p.m. Uh, you can catch me every Tuesday and Thursday on Sirius XM 96, uh, Straight From The Heart. And that comes on at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific. 
Hey, man, y'all just witnessed the urban legend out here in these streets, man. Uh, keep doing your thing, brother. I love you, man. And just keep ascending as far as you want to go, brother. Thank you, bro. Keep doing your thing, man. I appreciate that, Naeem. Yes, sir. Peace. Sweet, 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 sweet.